Well, let's welcome you back to this week in the association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back a favorite guest of ours, Kane County Cougars broadcaster, Joe Brand. Joe, thanks for joining us again this week. Fellas, thank you again for your patience and always a thrill to talk to you guys. Well, well, Joe, let's just pick up here today and talk about, before we jump into a little bit of baseball, what's going on in Joe Brand's world these days? Because, yeah, you're out there doing some great things right now. Still having a lot of fun. Uh, the NHL All-Star break just actually ended, and uh, they're gonna, the Hawks are going to pick up uh, 10 games of their next 11 at home at the United Center. So it's going to be a, a really busy month, but definitely a fun month. Coming up at the end of February, they're retiring Chris Chelios' number seven in the Raptors. It's going to be Patrick Kane's first game back at the United Center against the Blackhawks ever. And uh, we're hoping Connor Bedard will be fully rehabbed from his broken jaw by the time that happens. But can't complain, guys. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the team's not as exciting to cover as as some of the other teams in the league, but the kid seems like the real deal. It's still a hardworking group. Really, really a big fan of the head coach. And uh, like I said, can't complain. Definitely enjoying it. And the big rumor on Tuesday, I don't know if it's official yet, that the Winter Classic is coming back to Wrigley Field. Yeah, how about it, huh? Uh, same thing. Woke up to that news that, uh, that that's likely going to be the issue. It sounds like uh, if it's true, the team's going to confirm it on Wednesday. Um, they're on the TNT broadcast Wednesday night against the Minnesota Wild, so I feel like that'd be a, a good time to do it. And, uh, wow, yeah, I mean – how exciting is that? Um, I, I remember the first Winter Classic at Wrigley, and uh, I was still in high school, and this was like right when I started getting really interested in the Hawks. But as you guys know, my first love is baseball. So, I mean, talk about the best of both worlds, combining my two favorite things in the world all at once. Uh, it was really cool. So now possibly an opportunity to cover it is uh, really just something I never had dreamt up before. But, uh, yeah, if that's the case, then, uh, my goodness, am I thrilled for that day. Uh, 2025 can't get here soon enough. So why are we not seeing an outdoor game at Northwestern Medicine Field? You know what? It's funny you say that, Kev, because uh, recently the Wirtz family actually purchased the Chicago Steel um, the ECHL really? team that, or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, the uh, uh, the USHL team that plays right next door to the the Kane County Cougars, and man, are they becoming a powerhouse? I mean, uh, Macklin Celebrini, Owen Power, plenty of other highly touted prospects, or even current NHLers. And uh, the last time I ran into Danny Wirtz, who's now the president and CEO of the Blackhawks after the unfortunate passing of his father, Rocky. I brought up that idea because I, I've brought it up to some people at the Kane County Cougars in the past. I'm like, hey, you know, we should we should try to get this to happen, and a lot of people are a fan of it. So I just told them, I'm like, hey, listen, if, if you ever want to uh, host an all or a, a Winter Classic for the Chicago Steel, I got plenty of people in Kane County that are willing to make that happen. And he, his eyes kind of <laughs> perked up. He's like, oh, hey, that's that's a good idea. So I, I, I'm not going to take full credit if it comes to fruition, but I'll take some of it. Um, obviously, you know, a very, very optimistic thought process of it coming to life, but, uh, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool. And I, I couldn't think of a better place and, uh, man, it'd be cool for the area. It'd be cool for the, 
the city of Kane County and, and both programs, both franchises too, because, uh, I mean, a lot of history between the Cougars and the Chicago Steel, so why not get some kind of uh, partnership? It'd be really cool. I just think the setup there would be really conducive for it where, you know, you could have out beyond right field where you normally have the concerts and other things going on. You could have some kind of a winter festival going on out there. Like maybe you have a ice sculpture, snow sculpture contest. And it's a perfect area that could accommodate a lot of people. And you got a lot of room where you could do some really neat stuff. No, no, absolutely. And, and I know that's, that's a big, uh, driving force of what the Cougars wanted to do by putting that little concert venue out beyond right field and, and making it more than just a ballpark. And, you know, they've done a ton of cool stuff in Northwestern medicine field, but, but a hockey game might, might top it all. So to, uh, to really get the ball rolling on that would be pretty cool. Just going to have to wait and see. Do the Steel have, a, like, a big rival? You know, I'm not quite sure. I know, I know. Uh, I believe the Green Bay Growlers are in the league. Um, and, and, frankly, I, I haven't followed along too much. I just know how successful of a organization that's really become. And even... Uh, just the venue at uh, Fox Valley Ice Arena, right next door. It's it's really grown, and I mean, even just the cool little restaurant that they've got that you can see the ice from the restaurant. It's it's kind of taken on a life of its own of a sports bar. They've got walls that look like they could. You're in Las Vegas, but it's it's just in Geneva, Illinois, and uh, it's just it's all a cool setup. So again, more of the reason to get some kind of partnership with the Cougars, I think, would be great. You know, maybe a matchup with uh, Madison Capitals would be if you know you're still doing the Wisconsin Illinois thing. There you go. So get some fans to come down from Madtown. You know, yeah, there's there's something to work with there. I like it. I like it a lot. You, Joe, you mentioned. I, I'm kind of curious. What do What do you think of like the NHL All Star Game? Because Kevin and I talked about this a little bit last week, and Neither one of us have become as big a fans as we once were. I'm just curious about your thoughts. No, it's it, it's funny because we actually talked about this on my show last night, and uh, I, I actually brought it up to Eddie Olchek a couple weeks ago on my show because, I mean, really no league seems to be able to draw the same kind of attention and excitement and entertainment as the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And I, I think it's just unfortunately what's, the sport is i mean baseball is a sport that you can kind of still go at your full potential without worrying about injuring yourself or uh kind of putting your your season or possibly even your career on the line and i know it's not that detrimental but i mean that's just what baseball is and that's what football basketball and hockey are they're just different sports i i I appreciate the nhl's attempt to do different things you know I, i like the idea of a draft I still think it's kind of missing something. I like the idea that they can trade players mid-draft. I, I do like the ce- celebrities being brought in. Um, but it, And even the skills competition, like, I like it. I enjoy watching it, but I, I'm a pretty big hockey fan. I know to the general population, it's it's not that enticing. It's not that exciting. It's not as cool as watching a guy hit 20 home runs in a row. And, and I get it. It's just, it, it is kind of what it is. And I, I don't know how you fix it, though. That's the thing. I, I don't know what you do other than play around with, with different ideas and different options and get more people involved. 
I feel like they're going about it the right way. I don't think it's like anyone's lazy or non-creative or anything. I just, I think it's a hard thing to, to really put your finger on. I, I like the idea of what they're doing now next year, where it's going to be kind of a, a tournament among countries and whet everyone's appetite for the Olympics that are eventually coming back in a couple of years. So it's actually going to be a couple of years without the all-star game. So who knows, maybe by that time, then people will be uh, itching to get the all-star game back. The, the only other idea that I have is, <laughs> I mean, take, take this away now, considering the recent news we were just talking about, but you know, what if you made the winter classic, the all-star game? Um, and it doesn't have to be every year. Maybe it's every other year or every five years, but sometimes you are able to um, maybe get a team, an organization that wouldn't have the Winter Classic because maybe they're not that competitive often. You know, maybe it's not a suitable place to, to have a Winter Classic, but if you host the All-Star Game, then there's a reason to do it. And then maybe you get some players that might not ever get to play in the Winter Classic, so now they do by making the All-Star Game. And maybe that's another incentive to, to try and, and become an All-Star. And then you can have the whole skills competition at the same ice arena, you know, at the, at the traditional venue for whatever team that would host it the day before. So you would, you would kind of get the best, the best of both worlds. But again, I, I don't know what the right answer is. I, I think the NHL is trying really hard. And I think every league is trying really hard. I mean, the NFL switches up their things a lot. The NBA does too. And no one can really master it, but you know, even as, as great as we think the MLB all-star game is, not like what it used to be, and I, I don't know if it'll ever get to that point again because players move teams and, and move leagues so often. Uh, Lou Nanny was on radio up here in Minnesota on Tuesday afternoon, and he said, uh, you know, Louis is as big of a hockey fan as you ever find. He, he said he had no interest in the, any of it, and he feels it goes way back to when the NHL had – the original six teams, I thought he was saying something, and I could be wrong on this, that they had an all-star team, but they played against the Stanley Cup team from the previous year. Football, they had a, football had a Pro Bowl team, and they played against like a college all-star team. Yeah. yeah. He said, Start the season. But he said with expansions, once you develop conferences, it just really took away from the competitiveness of it. Yeah, no, I, I get it, and I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, that, that novelty seems pretty cool, uh, but you'd never be able to do that now. I mean, even if the All-Stars were to take on the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, you know the Vegas Golden Knights don't really care about that game. Uh, they, they care about the regular season. So, again, I, I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you change it, and I, I think you just got to keep trying different things until you get something that really sticks. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think there is a real fix for it. And, you know, I, I like the concept they have of the four-team in-season t- tournament thing with four countries, but I feel bad that, you know, for as many great Russian players as there are in the league, they're going to be excluded from that. Do you maybe do something where you, you're able to draft a couple of them for your team? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, and I'm sure you're not in the minority for thinking that and saying that, too. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm sure this is a whole trial thing, too, and, you know, the other thing that they kind of have to their advantage is if it, if it doesn't work out or, you know, there's a lot of pushback, it's, it's the only year they're doing it. So it's not like 
anything is set in stone. It's just an experimental thing for this upcoming, you know, for next year. So and maybe you pocket that idea, but if if it doesn't go well, they never have to do it again, you know, and they're, they're definitely True. not going to have to do it commitment. at least for the next, yeah, at least for the next two years, because you'll have the Olympics and then it'll go back to the all-star game, I imagine. Well, Joe, let's take you back to baseball here for a moment now. Um, few years now that since the Kane County Cougars joined the American Association and uh, just your overall thoughts about when you first, you know, moved from, from minor league baseball and, and joined into partner league baseball, what were your initial thoughts about what that looked like? And, and how are you seeing those thoughts come to fruition? How, how have your thoughts changed over the years? I'll be honest. I, I wasn't entirely thrilled, but Man, has it really opened my eyes how impressive, exciting, and competitive the American Association is. Because you got to remember, I, I did games in the Frontier League for a couple of years. I worked for the normal corn, the normal corn belters, the Windy City Thunderbolts, and the Traverse City Beach Bums. So I knew of independent league baseball a lot more than I did affiliated ball when I first started with the Cougars, and then. Six years went by. I, I had worked with Kane County. We were mainly affiliated with the Diamondbacks. My first year, we were with the Cubs. So I, I even got to see the difference in that. Like, you notice a big difference between switching organizations and affiliated ball. Um, and I, I loved it. I really did. I, I enjoyed the travel. We were in the Midwest League, so the travel wasn't too bad. Uh, it was competitive. I saw some great talent. Kyle Schwarber, Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette. Alec Thomas, I mean, the list goes on and on. And, you know, 2020 was just such a weird year. I was just getting used to not having a baseball season. Uh, I was just trying to kind of adapt to that. And then before you know it, we're out of affiliated ball, and I kind of just assumed we were going to end up in the Frontier League because there were so many teams in Illinois, and there's so many teams just close by in the Midwest. And then I heard that we were joining the American Association. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I'll have experience now in three different leagues. Um, but I, I just didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just like, okay, going back to independent league baseball. But it definitely separates itself from affiliated ball. It separates itself from the Frontier League. And I, I really didn't know that until we got fully involved. And I, I honestly, it's this past year just kind of really – solidified my opinion on the American Association, just, just having a personality and having some sort of entertainment that other leagues can't bring. It was towards the end of the year when, you know, we're fighting for a playoff spot and so is Cleburne. And we have that long six game homestand against Cleburne Railroaders. And we know we're going to have to face them in a couple of weeks in Texas for six straight games as well. And we just had six straight bangers, like great ball game after great ball game after great ball game. And it obviously started with the dramatic Galley Cribs Jr. home run in extra innings. But it, it, was, it was literally five straight games that had all this drama and, and all this, like, anger. But it was just – it was competitive baseball. And, I mean, Galley Cribs Jr. hit two home runs, I think – I'm sorry. It was, it was yeah. It was the second year of the homer of, of the year, and it ended this dramatic back and forth extra inning game. I mean, you guys saw what happened afterwards. I mean, there's a lot of emotions from both sides of the field, and that 
all of a sudden, hey, we're going to play five more games like this against this same team. I mean, you don't get that in any other league. And you definitely don't get that in affiliated ball. And it just kind of opened my eyes because I, I was trying to think back to like a time where I had two games in a row that had that kind of drama. And I, I really could only think of like one time between the Cougars and the Peoria Chiefs. And it was like, it was the 4th of July. And that was two games in a row that I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool. You don't normally get this because players come and go. But after that series, against the Cleburne Railroaders. It just kind of really opened my eyes to what the American Association is capable of and why so many people are drawn to it and why it's just kind of a thrill each and every day because other leagues can't provide that, and it, it, it's been pretty cool. I honestly thought Galley Cripps was going to have a firing squad waiting for him when he got to Cleburne. I, I feel like he did, and, uh, you know, they had to pull some strings with security down there. I mean, Chris is from Texas. But, uh, and, you know, that's the thing. Like, Kelly Cribbs Jr. is a great human being. I mean, I, I've known him since 2015 now, and it, it's it's so heartwarming when he lets his kid run the bases after each Cougars win. And it's just a dude that just loves baseball and loves being part of a team and was just was thrilled to have that moment. And, and, you know, I talked to him after that game, and he said, I, I forget the, the pitcher who coughed up the home run escapes me, but he was talking about how uh, Cleburne had his number last year, and I, I think that specific pitcher had his number the year before. And he's like, I didn't forget that. I, I remembered that really well after <laughs> or, or once I hit that home run, and Gally Cribbs Jr. is not a home run hitter, so that's why that meant so much to him. And clearly, it you know it was something to try to get his team to rally among each other and uh, rally behind him, and it, it worked in that series because Cougars did really well in that series. And um, again, it's just it's it's just really cool because it's something you don't see in every league. I think it was Michael Krause. That sounds right. Yeah, that does sound right. <laughs> you know, Joe, I have to say one of the things I thought would be the biggest challenge for, I guess, for the team itself is how the community embraced moving from affiliate ball. They get used to thinking, hey, I'm watching a future major league guy kind of thing, and now I'm watching the perception a lot of times is the person whose career is coming down on the end in, in, in the American Association. Not not true, but sometimes it's perceived that way. How do you feel the community has really warmed to this Cougars team being part of the league this way? They've definitely warmed to it, and I mean, you got to remember too that where the Cougars are located, you know, we are we're we're not directly competing with the Cubs and Sox. You know, I'm not dumb. I, I know it's it's not. Hey, you want to go to the Cubs game or do you want to go to the Cougars game? But it it's that same types of fan bases, and it provides uh, a different outlet to to go and and take in baseball. But I mean, these are passionate baseball fans, and I I may have said it before on on this podcast. So if I repeat myself i apologize but again coming from the frontier league i actually grew up a, a windy city thunderbolts fan i mean when i was a kid because i lived so close i'm actually back in that area now i'm like 10 minutes away from that ballpark ironically they were called the cook county cheetahs at the time but we always knew about the kane county cougars but i, I never knew like what the ballpark was like and you know who the cougars really were and the first time i i went to kane county was my interview and I, I interviewed under Wayne Randazzo. He's now the TV voice, the Los Angeles Angels. Um, 
And you know, I'm just like, oh, it's a very, you know, it's a very nice ballpark. It's you know, it's beautiful. It's it's well groomed. It's well kept. Um, you know, it's big too. Definitely bigger than most of the ballparks I've been in in the Frontier League. And the season started, and it was cold, and it was affiliated ball, but it was cool. And then the weather kicked, and then the weekends came, and then all of a sudden we're hosting like eight, nine, ten thousand people. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that they were capable of this. I'm like, where the, where the heck are these people coming from? Because I come off the highway and I just drive past cornfields and construction and, you know, for like a couple miles, really. And I, I, you know, I just embraced it and really fell in love with the fan base and everything because it, it makes great tape, too. I mean, I would, I would put my tape together and someone's like, you know, are you in a big league ballpark? I'm like, no, no, it's single A. Like, wow, like the crowd noise is fantastic. And um, that offseason, I started calling some high school football around that area. And I did St. Charles, and then I did Geneva, and then I did uh, Batavia. And I realized that these are all like the neighboring towns around the Kane County Cougars, and those games were filled up. So then it all clicked. It's like, okay, this is, this is the high school football fan base but they're all together. There's like five or six of them that all come together for the summer and they all become Kane County Cougar fans. And, you know, now I've, I'm heading into my 10th season with the Cougars and I talk to people a lot. I always say I work there and like, oh, I remember growing up and going to Cougars games. And, oh, yeah, I had my birthday party there. They let me dance in the dugout. Like everyone just has a, a unique and very memorable memory of going to a Cougars game as a kid. And that's what it's for. I mean, it's it's affordable family fun. It's accessible family fun. And it, it just provides you something that you, you're not able to get in, in a major league ball game. Is it major league baseball? No, of course not. But it, it gives you something that you might not get at a big league ball game. And it's just the accessibility, the affordability, and, and a guaranteed good time. It really is. I mean, the, the Cougars do such a good job of putting on a great show each and every game. Um, it's, it's a fun, very lucky place to work. I visited for the first time in 2022, and it was um, a couple week nights in August. And I was just wanting to get a feel for the ballpark, a feel for the atmosphere, game ops. Loved all of it, but then I remember what you said: get to a game on a weekend. <laughs> so when I came back this summer, I did a Saturday Sunday and did a couple games doing color for Sioux Falls with Tanner Hoops, but. I was absolutely amazed with what I saw. It was like Christmas in July. The promo crew, everybody was on board with the promo for the night. The theme was just perfect. The execution was incredible. And, man, what a crowd. I mean, it was it was a fun place to be. And, yeah, you are spot on with that. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I mean, i got to give credit to our promotions crew and everyone who – you know, so many people wear so many different hats, like every place in minor league baseball. But, uh, you know, we, we put a lot of thought and effort and creativity into our theme nights, and I think that's where the passion comes behind it because, you know, everyone's got a small part in it and everyone um, is involved. So they, you know, once once you see the hard work that other people put into it, you know, no one wants to shortchange anybody. And, and that's why we, we end up having such great fun nights. Joe, I'm I'm curious because it, you you tell me this part. You're the the broadcaster for a, a partner league team, but 
managers look like they are a lot more involved in connecting with the broadcaster than you would probably have in an affiliate team. Is that true? And, and then what does that relationship like look like for you when you're talking with George Samus and getting to know him? I, I think it depends on who the manager is. I, I, I mean, I've never had the same relationship with any manager I've ever worked with. And when I was in affiliated ball, I mean, the manager would change almost every year. Yeah, I, I had a different manager every single year. So it, it, it was always kind of weird to kind of reset that whole relationship. But, uh, I mean, George has been, as you guys know, top-notch from day one. The best thing about him is he knows what to do. Um, he, he's always one step ahead of everything. But he he never um, takes what you do for him for granted, and he's he's always incredibly helpful, and he always wants to do what's best for the team. Um, he's he's never you know complained about uh, being in the locker room too much, or you know being down by the dugout or anything, or bugging players. He just he just gets it from from point A to point B. And if there's a new player and he needs something sent or emailed, you know, toss him my way as soon as I can, and it's. It's not one of those things where he's like, "Hey, did you get that done? Did you get that done?" Like, he, he just knows I'm going to get it done, and uh, you know, he always says thank you. I, I, I just, I have, I don't have enough good things to say about George Samus. He's just been such a, a delight to work for and to work with. And I mean, there's a reason why he's been around for so long. He's as successful as he is, and um, everyone else has pretty much the same thing to say about him too. Team was very successful this last year. Couldn't get over that hump to get to the championship series. But what, as you're looking at what you've seen over the last couple of years from this organization, what, what's given you hope about this season? What, what, what do you think this Kane County Cougars team is going to look like this year? Well, I know I've said in the past, you know, it's it's always just kind of been the learning curve for us. But I mean, now heading into, um, man, yeah, is it is it the fourth year now in the in the American yes, Association? <laughs> um, yes, it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can use that excuse anymore. But um, you know, I, I was just, I was really pleased with the team's performance in Game One of the playoffs. It was just kind of a weird series where the road team won every game, um, and it's just, it's honestly just that a three-game series, anything can happen. I mean, you gotta, you just gotta be hot at the right time, and and that's not taking anything away from the Milwaukee Milkmen. They won fair and square. Um, they outplayed us in the last couple of games, but. Um, again, I, I think George's familiarity with with the team and the organization and, and a few similar players and, and a few acquisitions as well. Um, I feel like George was uh, a big fan of wheeling and dealing last year. I mean, he was making a lot of moves, but you know the team was changing a lot because of they were they were struggling with pitching a little bit. So then George goes and finds some pitching, and you know, the bullpen was pretty good for the most of the year. So he had that on lockdown, but George is just the guy that's never satisfied. And uh, I think, I think you really got an, an example of that last season. Um, so, I mean, I know he's going to bring his a game again this year. And uh, you know, I, I know the, the guys that have been around for a while, like Josh Allen, Jack Fox, and you know, guys that, uh, and Galley Cribs Jr. that have, have stuck around in King County and enjoy it. Like, like the consistency too. So, you know, hopefully all of that building can uh, can accumulate and, um, you know, kind of culminate and come together. And that can come to fruition this year, hopefully. 
I thought too last year that there was a lot of adversity George had to go through. Guys underperformed, and a lot of guys were injured. Where I know he likes to do the wheeling and dealing, but I just think that he didn't really have a choice last year. And I just wonder with the team healthy, I think it could have made a, a run for the championship. Like you said, you know, three game series are a different beast, but. It just seemed like there it was just obstacle after obstacle the entire season as far as health wise. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely a big part of it. Um yeah, I mean you're you're right. Kev the the whole idea of wheeling and dealing is because he had to. And uh, you know, in a perfect world George can know what his lineup is gonna be a month from now, but that's just not the case often. Um but it, again I think that's one of his biggest strengths, all the connections that he has and um, you know, he's, he's making more of those connections around the area too, because that's, you know, that's a big aspect in the American association. It's, um, you know, the more connections you have, the better off you are, but also the, the more connections you have close by, because sometimes that's the best way to find a, a player that's, um, going to be the right fit. And I think hopefully past couple of years now doing that can work in the Cougars and George's favor that way. Now we've talked about that with, uh, deputy commissioner Buckholtz. How is the amateur, high school, small college baseball in the area around Geneva? Is there guys where he can go look at and bring in on a whim? I mean, I think as soon as they, uh, I, I think as soon as they, you know, graduate and become accessible, um, as far as I know, I mean, I, I Josh would probably be the, a uh, better guy to ask that question, but I mean, because I remember guys like just recently graduating and obviously not getting drafted, and um, they were quickly picked up. And I, I think that's why George makes so many good connections with uh, high school and, and college coaches from not only the Chicagoland area but around too. Um, I remember one time signing a bullpen catcher. I, I, the name escapes me, but from a nearby college in Bennett, um, and it was just kind of a cool story because uh, the player had grown up around Kane County and actually went to Cougars games as a kid. So uh, it was a good fit there and then ended up having a big hit for us late in the season. So, you know, it's just, it's just all those random things that sometimes work out in your favor, but you know, you make all those connections, you set yourself up in case um, you're in a pinch and, and then it ends up, you know, come really helping you out towards the end of the year. Now you alluded about this a little bit, but, um, we had Blake Tiberi on last week, and, and he was talking about how, boy, Lake Country gets really fired up for those Milwaukee games. I mean, they're just really building a very strong rivalry. So what, what, what are you sensing as the rivalries that are building up around the Kane County Cougars so far? Well, definitely still with the Chicago Dogs. Um, you know, they're, they're our closest neighbor, and um, can't forget what happened two years ago when you know, the Cougars are – fighting for the division championship and they need to sweep the dogs in order to do it. They didn't quite get there, but boy, did they give them a run for their money. And, you know, the Cougars were hoping they could sweep the dogs, win the division, and then get to choose to play the dogs because they had obviously had so much success against them. And when it got to that point, um, you know, the dogs got to choose and there was no way they were going to choose the Cougars because they just kind of knocked them around for almost four straight games. Um, so that that's definitely been a fun rivalry. It's also just been fun because you see a lot of dogs fans 
at Northwestern Medicine Field. You see a lot of Cougars fans over at Impact Field. Uh, fans are starting to understand the rivalry, understand the trip, and uh, are taking advantage of it. And it's, it's been pretty fun. Um, you know, there's another close neighbor in Gary, so there's always that too. But uh, man, I mean, you can't ignore the the tight games that were happening between the Cougars and the Cleburne Railroaders this year. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, I don't, you know, I don't travel with the team, but um, when they were down in Texas, you better believe I, I had every game on on the TV, and it was it's kind of cool to to grill outside and, and throw on the Cougars game and keep tabs with how they were doing against Cleburne. Um, and you know, I mean, there's now a little, little bit of rival, a rivalry now with Milwaukee too after this past postseason. So. Um, slowly but surely, Cougars are getting a lot of uh, a lot of rivalries, but that's good. It's good in sports, and it's it's good in this league. Are we going to see the continuation of the podcast inning this season? <laughs> uh, I believe so. Yes, I. Uh, uh, you know all the uh, rousing reviews and feedback we've gotten from it, which has mainly just been you, Kevin. Um, is has decided to keep it going another year, but no, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah, it's just it's just something fun and unique that we do. Um, and if people don't know, uh, we call it the bottom of the sixth, where uh, we treat the bottom half of the sixth inning like a podcast. And me and my great pot- partner Connor Klingen just just have a conversation. And I mean, if a home run is hit or there's a diving catch, we'll we'll give it its due. But um, just something different, you know. And I mean, I know a lot of people tune into the game and just kind of throw it on in the background. They're not. Uh, intently watching every pitch. So it's just a, a nice twist on things. And we try to keep, keep it fresh. We try to keep the conversations, you know, relevant. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't really say don't try to screw around too much because that's kind of what the whole purpose of the bottom of the sixth inning is. But, but yeah, and I, I, I like to do that kind of stuff. I like to think outside the box for those types of things. And I also just appreciate, you know, my, my boss, Curtis Haug in, in Kane County for, being cool with us doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be traditional broadcast at all times. And, you know, he allows us to have some fun and and expand and, um, you know, just, just do different things. And I I like the way that it's kind of had a domino effect where other people, you know, tune in and then they send their two cents and then, you know, we keep the conversation going or, or think of other things to do. So it's, I mean, this, the sport always grows and broadcasting always evolves. So I, I like to just adapt and try to do different things to, you know, keep things fresh and relevant. And uh, it's, it's been fun. So yeah, I, I definitely uh, have all the um, expectations in the world to continue it. It was the highlight of my season to fill in when I was out there in July, your assignment uh, that weekend but it was a highlight to do that with Connor. I mean, I was, it, it just, I could just sat there all night, but yeah, you know, it was, <laughs> that's, I, I forgot about that. What'd you, what'd you guys talk about that day? Talked a lot about George actually, and my relationship with them and how it went back to the St. Paul days, how it all started. And that seemed to be the general direction of it. I think we got some Georgisms in and yeah, it was fun. <laughs> That's cool. And then you know, I thought I, no, another of my favorite ones was when you guys tried the OMG. Oh, the OMG burger. Yeah, that was that was a tough yeah. day. Um, I ended up did having to have seventy five percent of it. I, I I think we did, but I I had to have seventy five percent of it because <laughs> Connor Klingon was on a diet 
and then he oh, didn't even geez. really end up liking it. So I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll just uh, do the heavy lifting here. But, um, yeah, worst places to be and, and worst jobs to do. Oh, definitely. You know, they've been trying to speed up games and, and to you know, pitch counts and pitch clocks, excuse me, and things like that. So uh, is that making broadcasting a little more challenging for you now, trying to squeeze in stories and things like that, or do you like the flow and pace of the game now? No, I, I'm all in favor of it, and I honestly was a fan of it once the idea was even just brought up. Um, I, I do think that baseball is just kind of steered away from its pace um, because of the way the game has changed and evolved. I mean, I say this all the time that, you know, the game just started to draw drag on because, you know, walks are valued almost more than singles because what does it do? It makes the pitcher throw at least four pitches and it gets you on base. So, you know, players are, are taught to be patient, wait for your pitch, wait for something to drive, wait for the, the best opportunity to drive the baseball. So that ends up just kind of dragging out each game. So I think the pitch clock was really the only resolution to stop that from happening. I don't know, maybe in a perfect world, you know, 15, 20 years from now, everyone's just going to be accustomed to it. And, uh, you know, you won't need the pitch clock anymore, but uh, I'm definitely a fan of it. I know it, it breaks traditional values, and it's weird to see a, a clock out there on a baseball field, but uh, I'm a big fan of it. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Shortening the job is is fine by me. Um, as much as I love baseball, I, I don't love a four-hour game that ends up being, you know, seven to four. Um, I, I just think it's it's good for the game. It's good for the people that consume the game. And I, I honestly never really thought how it was going to affect me kind of funny when they first started it I, I was saying oh here we go three seconds two seconds one second left to throw the pitch and after like the first week I never did it again because um, it's just I don't know the pitchers either catch on or it just seems so out of place to do a countdown in a baseball game but also I think it's it's only relevant to bring it up when it is violated and they don't get off the pitch in time did you feel a difference? I know for myself, at lots of times last summer, you know, I'd watch a game, and it felt like a normal game, you know, like any other year. But then you look at your watch, and it's like nine thirty. It's great. There were a few times I would leave the ballpark, and the sun would still be out. I mean, talk about a first. Um, yeah, no, and honestly, I, I I feel like players enjoy the, the flow of the game that way. I think fans do, too. And, again, I, I, I really do think it's better for everyone involved rather than just, you know, looking at your watch and wondering when this game is going to end. And it's just, I don't know, it. I don't think it, like, it cuts off the game. I think it just kind of consolidates it and, and brings it all into its best place. And I'm also a guy that's going to, prefer a pitcher's duel over a slugfest any day of the week but again i i think it's it draws better attention to um the fans to appreciate it more and i'm i'm totally in favor of it i think we need to bring that to hockey yes no 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 because no, if no. you watch a, if you watch a Big Ten game, I mean I'm not talking about shot you know clocks or anything, but if you watch a Big Ten game, twelve minute intermissions, 
one TV timeout per period, you're still getting a good full hockey game, but you're getting out there in two hours. Well, I can't I can't argue with you there. Um, that's a little different, though. I mean, that's that's taken away from sponsorships, and obviously that True. all ends up yeah, being there money. Is that. So, so uh, yeah, I think I think that's the the factor there. But uh, no, I hear you. I, it, there's definitely been some long hockey games too. Let's let's talk a little bit about Joe Brand. So, I mean, you're on the cusp of doing a, doing a lot of great things already. But what, what's the ultimate aspiration for Joe Brand? What, what's he looking to do with himself? Uh, be able to get to your podcast on time for once. I, I, I'm <laughs> working on my time management. I know you have better. And <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I'm trying to I'm really trying to improve on my uh, memory and my time management skills and I. I think by 2027, I should be able to uh, be able to call you guys on the time you asked me for. No, um, I appreciate it. Look, I'm having a lot of fun. I, I, I love sports broadcasting in general, but um, sure, baseball is my first love, but I'm, I'm getting a lot of great opportunities with hockey and, and having a lot of fun with it. And I'm, I'm a Chicago kid. I grew up a Blackhawks fan, and now I get to cover the team on a daily basis and uh, I got to call a handful of games last year. I, I got my big league call up a couple of years ago. That was an absolute thrill. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I try not to dictate my future because you really just can't con- control destiny. You can't control what's going to happen. Um, so I'm just enjoying the ride right now, trying to make myself available for anything that might pop up in the future. But, again, I, I can't complain with what I got right now. If, if you were to tell me 10 years ago that I'd be doing this, at this moment, I'd be thrilled. I get to cover a hockey team at the NHL level on a daily basis. I still get to call baseball games all while living at home is something I, I don't think I ever could have dreamt up. So uh, I'm just definitely counting my blessings now, and whatever comes later, I, I'm happy to do it. You know, play-by-play play, Excuse me, play by play is the end goal. It's the most fun aspect of the industry. Um, it, it, it's about as close to the game as I'll ever be because I never was any kind of athlete. Um, and I just enjoy the challenge of it and the thrill of it and being the bridge from the game to the fans and um, just kind of being the, the spokesman of the team. I, I really enjoy that aspect too. So the fact that I've been able to do that with the Cougars for 10 years is I'm very lucky. I had this question yeah. and, um, that I was going to ask, and I'm glad that you kind of brought it up now. When you're as involved as you are with the Blackhawks and, you know, how many months the hockey season goes along and then, yeah, you got summer stuff too. How do you keep track of all of it to still be on top of everything with the Blackhawks but then be able to flip that switch and then be full-on Kane County Cougars during the summer? Well, I mean, listen, there's there's definitely hiccups. Um I miss podcast appointments, as you guys know, and uh, I, I just, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's just fun. I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not digging a ditch. I'm not logging papers. Um, I'm, I'm following along with a hockey team. And then um, it, it's also too, I, I mean, I know if you look at my resume, it's like, oh, he covers baseball and he covers hockey. But I, I truly do feel like both jobs are very, very different being a play-by-play baseball broadcaster and then being a pre and post broadcaster for a hockey team. Um, so I, you know, I prepare for both jobs differently. 
Uh, I prepare for uh, my responsibilities with them differently. I, I kind of have um, different day-to-day -day trends with them both. But I, I like it that way, too. It keeps things fresh and different, and you know, I, I never kind of know what I'm going to do on a or what I'm going to have that night, and that's the way I like it. And I, I don't know. I've also just grown up watching both sports. So, I mean, listen, if I were to – you know, throw wrestling or, or swimming in the mix. I would definitely have to be keeping up the tabs on the rule book and, you know, the terms and everything, but you just end up consuming it almost on a daily basis. It just kind of becomes your vocabulary and your vernacular. And um, you just, at some point you got to rely on your confidence and your knowledge of it um, with nothing else, with nothing else attached to it. So that's why I just, I try to stay up to date as I can, listening to podcasts and sports talk radio and reading stuff. But I also try to make sure I clear my head with other things, too, that I can't just be uh, totally obsessed with sports at all times because it's just not a good way to live life. And um, I, I'm still trying to find out, figure out that right balance, but I'm having a, a fun time doing it. Now, now talking about that same line, you saw Sam Brief got a job doing uh, – the Olympics and and doing producing for for some of the segments that they're going to be doing is, is that something you see yourself being interested in, or do you want to focus more on play by play and being directly involved with the games themselves? Well, first off, congratulations to Sam. I mean, what a hard worker and, and what a great guy. And uh, you know, I, I was very happy to to hear he he got something as cool as that. Um. But I don't know. No, I, you know, I, I have done the producing role. Um, it's mainly been focused at WGN Radio. Um, I, I used to produce Blackhawks games, and then I reported, and then I anchored, and then I eventually got to the position now that I'm at. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'll never say, you know, I'm not going to do that or I'll never do that because you just don't know where the, the industry is going to take you. It's a very unpredictable business, and you just kind of stay on your toes, and you got to – um, be ready for anything, but uh, I mean, Sam's a very valuable and um, multi-dimensional guy. Like he makes himself um, again very valuable because he's talented in, in many different avenues. And you know, I, I, I like to work on my skill set that way too. I, I'm very um, intrigued with the whole podcasting industry and everything that people are doing on social media and I'm trying to grow and evolve and improve in those aspects because that's just the way the industry's going. And, you know, it's, we're now in this world where you get anything at your fingertips at any given moment. And there's all these different social apps that people are getting a lot of success on, but they're getting success in different ways. So, you know, do you, do you zone in on one or do you spread yourself and, and try to, you know, make an impact on each individual social medium, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the right answer. I don't think anyone does. Um, I, but I'm you know, having a fun time trying to figure it out. I'm um, always looking at what other people are doing and figuring out how I can put my own, own spin on it. And, you know, for Sam and, and anyone else that's thinking about producing or doing producing or, or looking at producing, I mean, that's, that's important stuff. And it's also just important to, to know that, that, aspect of the job because it makes you more valuable, it makes you more creative, and it just gives you a different way to look at things. I mean, in college, now over 10 years ago I went there, they made us do everything at the TV station. They made us film. They made us edit. 
they weren't, they didn't allow us to only be on camera because they wanted to make us as valuable as possible. And there's a lot of important things that I picked up from going to Illinois State University and working at TV 10 and WZND, the TV stations and radio stations, because I learned all the background work and it, it opened up other doors for me. You know, I, I wouldn't have gotten an internship with WGN radio if I only was on the air, because they're not going to hire a 22 year old to just go on the air. I had to produce and I had to edit and I had to do all the legwork to eventually get me to where I'm at now. Um, so I, I tell people all the time in college or freshly out or just anyone in general that, you know, never say no to anything. Um, pick up any kind of job that you can around the industry because you never know what you're going to learn. You never know who you're going to meet. And you're never going to know if you don't like things. I mean, I was working for a TV company a couple of years ago and I wanted to do play by play and I would bug them every year. And then finally they threw me a bone and gave me a game. And then they're like, all right, we got these two other games for you. I'm like, awesome. And they go, but it's actually sideline. And I'm like, what? like, I don't want to do sideline, but I, I did anyway. And I ended up loving it. And then I had like five more games because they're like, oh, and you can do sideline too. And it's just a different way to look at the game. And it, it, it sharpened my skills of jumping on air with, with um, being concise and consolidating my information because you don't have all the time in the world when you do sideline. You got to get in and get out. You got to be surgical. So that was, that was a great skill set to pick up. And again, I, I just think it's important for everyone to do as much as you possibly can in the industry because it, it's going to make you more valuable. valuable and it's also just going to make you... Um, uh, they're going to think of you more. They're they're going to it's going to open up more doors for you. And again, you might not know what you don't like. You might not know what you like if you never do it. Okay, guys, I'm going to totally take this show off the rails here. Since we're talking about Sam Brief, a long time ago, Jesse the Body Ventura hosted an afternoon talk show, and he would have the local weatherman on. And this local weatherman, Dave Dahl, just, you know, just pleasant a guy as he can ever imagine. Never, you know, sound like he had a crossword. And one day, Jesse, just out of the blue, says, Hey, Dave, have you ever been in a fight? I have to ask you guys, Sam is very possibly the happiest person I have ever met. Do you think Sam Brief has ever been in a fight? <laughs> Uh, I think that's a question that only Sam Brief can answer because I, I know, well, okay, I, I, here's what I can tell you. I have never been in a fight with Sam Brief, so uh, that's as far as the knowledge I have of Sam Brief getting into fights, and I, I'd be willing to bet no, that Sam Brief has never done anything to instigate a fight or has ever done anything to uh, lead to a fight. So, Sam Brief, if you're out there listening in and uh... – Feel free to drop us a line at at dr Kevin Luco at Minor League Sports Report. Let I us know. I thought you were going to say feel free to drop the gloves. Oh <laughs> no, no no! I mean, come on. Uh, we love Sam. We, we we, we got to know, Sam. Have you ever been in a fight? You don't have to say if you won or lost. We don't even care. Just have you ever been in a fight? You know, I have to say, uh, uh, Joe, that uh, we we learned something super cool about you here tonight, which is that despite being, you know, a, a rising star in the sports world, still doing your own laundry. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited about that for you. 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I put my pants on just like everyone else, one at a time. Except uh, I got to finish a podcast before I do that because my my laundry is still hanging in the basket right now. Do we have a plug-in for a brand of detergent that you like? We're gonna we're gonna get a sponsorship uh, for you or something like that. No, not quite. I, I used the Tide today, but I've been also been using. Uh, it's funny. My my family comes in from Nashville. They were in for Christmas and. Uh, some local joint over by them. It's, uh, it's some really good smelling stuff. So that's one of the, the gifts they give us every year. So I, I couldn't tell you. Todd's detergent right or, or powder? What's that? Pods, Tide Pods, liquid detergent or the powder? Did, did, uh, the powder, the powder. I, I find it's uh, easier to control it that way. I, 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 I have fallen for using the pods. It's just it's just so easy. Just dump two pods in, push it in, you're done. And if any of you kids are out there listening, you do not eat the pods. They are not for eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's avoid that. Well, Joe, now that we've totally gone off the rails with the show, <laughs> time for a great final thought from you. So we'll, we'll turn the floor over to you. So the the final thoughts that is what what is it? Yes, yes, sir. Whatever you'd like to talk about here tonight. So uh, we'll get we'll give you the complete floor here. Well, I feel like we covered a lot of different topics. Um, I've never felt more informed about laundry or uh, <laughs> weathermen that that jump on uh, random talk shows and talk about fights. And uh, it's it's like I said before, it's always a thrill to talk to you guys. And uh, again, I apologize for the the late call. I appreciate your patience as always, and uh, can't wait for baseball season. Have a lot of having a lot of fun time with uh, the hockey season right now, but can't wait for baseball either. So can't wait to talk to you guys a little bit more in depth about the Cougars this year. Fantastic, Joe Brand. Thanks for joining us this week. Kev, Rob, thank you. Have a great one. Well, Kevin, uh, always great having Joe Brand on the show and uh, just a rising star in the sports broadcasting industry out there. He is. I, I mean, I like the times where I'm driving home from a Minnesota Wild game and then I'm pulling in the Blackhawks broadcast on my radio and then, or on my NHL app and then listening to Joe doing his intermission work and pre- and post-game stuff, you know, it's, Always nice to hear a familiar voice on the radio, and he does such a good job for them. And you know, and with Joe, I, I, I mean, you folks just listen. I mean, we were just going completely off the script if we had one with what we were talking about, and that's what I really enjoy about Joe and the dynamic that him and Connor have too. And you know, it's just not the bottom of the sixth inning. I think it's a lot of nights. You know, it's I described it as I did with um, listening to Sean Aronson and J.W. Cox. I I feel the same way with Joe and Connor that when you're listening to a, watching a King County Cougars game and then listening to those guys, you don't feel like you're listening to a broadcast. You feel like you're sitting there with two of your buds watching the game, maybe having a beer and, you know, focusing on the game, but yet, you know, talking about whatever else may come up. So. You know, those guys are definitely a fun listen. Absolutely. And 
you know what's so fun about listening to the broadcast for King County is that everything about it is so professional but enjoyable. It's not like it's rigid or uh, so you're taking away the enjoyment of the game because it's so focused on the game, but you don't feel like you're losing track of the reason you turned in in the first place. And I, I think it's just a, a great mixture and blend that they have going on there. And um, and I think we like Joe a lot too, Kevin, because he likes our two sports, baseball and hockey. So makes it easy to see him as one of the very best at that point. Yeah, you know, he's probably a lot more polished with his with his show that he does for the Hawks on WGN Radio than yeah. we are with our with our little effort trying to cover the entire wild system where it's just you and I just trying to wing it for thirty to forty five minutes. So, you know. Don't know where I'm trying to get get with this point, but yeah. And Kane County out there, Kevin, uh, had a taste of the playoffs the last couple of years. And, um, you know, you look back on this past season and you think to yourself, uh, if they could have just got some offense, you know, I mean, they this team really could have gone a long way. We talked to Josh, Josh Allen a few weeks ago and, and, he seems to be thinking that this is going to be a, a season where things could go better for the club. And, um, you know, King County really gets those fans out there. So I think the club's really looking to get, take this to the next level and get themselves towards a, at least winning a, a round or two in the playoffs. I, you know, I don't think they're that far off from it. I, you have to wonder, you know, if Cornelius Randolph is healthy for the entire season, if they would have had Ernie Ordonez for the entire season, if T.J. Bennett had not re- retired early in the season, if they would have had Todd Lott for the entire season, if if um, Jimmy Kerrigan could have had a repeat of the season he, uh, he had in 2022. You know, I think, they're, you know, in general, the pieces were there. They just never really seem to be all healthy at the same time. So if you just get that kind of special year where you got the right guys and health is on your side, they've got guys that are committed to the team, as we've seen with, like, Jack Fox and Weston Muir and other guys in the bullpen that have been around for, like, a year or two now. C.J. Carter's been there for, I believe, at least a year and a half. I think the, the the genesis of a really good ball club is there, and I'm intrigued to see what 2024 is going to bring to Kane County. Well, let's talk about other news going on around the American Association, Kevin, and a move that I was, to be honest with you, very surprised by to see is Lake Country trading catcher Jax Groshan to Cleveland to get Ryan Hernandez, and Hernandez got off to that amazing start last year before the Los Angeles Angels signed him. And uh, that huge power bat of it really stunned the railroaders deciding to move him already. I'm really curious to see what brought on that trade because without having anything in front of me right now, I'd be curious to, you know, does Jack Skrillshans and Pete Anker really have a past where the Groshans catch for him at some point, and that's a guy that Incavilia wanted to bring in. Hard to say, but if that's the case, you know, if you if you want to if you want to get 
if you want to get somebody, you're going to have to give up somebody. So I'm sure Cleburne probably in the perfect world didn't want to give up Ryan Hernandez, but to get the guy you want, you got to give up someone. That's how trades happen. So I think it's a really good opportunity, I think, for Ryan Hernandez to play in a park that seems to be generally hitter-friendly, and we'll see what kind of numbers he can put up in Oconomowoc. You know, looking at Groshans for a minute, Kevin, um, Cleburne signed Justin O'Connor a couple weeks ago, too. So if you're Groshans, Boston Red Sox product um, reached just high A uh, in Greenville a couple seasons ago. If you're thinking, hey, I want to get an opportunity to get back into affiliate ball and really learn how to become a better catcher, boy, nobody better to be hanging around than Justin O'Connor next year. Yeah, that's a really, you know, it's a good one-two combo. And, you know, it's hard to say, too, maybe that'll be a system where one of them is catching, maybe the other is playing first or playing DH. I didn't. I, I hate to say I didn't follow Grilshans too much, so I don't know if he does anything other than catch. But, yeah, I, you know, I think we raved about um, O'Connor enough when we we're talking about him a few weeks ago, and you know the hype is real. Yeah, played a little third base for Lake Country last season. Um, let's look at a couple of other big transactions out there, Kevin. And I, you know, if first first of all, let's just go to Cleburne a little bit. Uh, also signed left-handed pitcher Skyler Arias, right-handed pitcher Tyler Driver signed by the club. They signed left-handed pitcher Juan Hillman joining Cleburne out there uh, for Lake Country. Uh, infielder Josh Morgan is signed by the team. Uh, that is it for them. Uh, the bigger thing, if you're a Chicago Dogs fan, not only re-signing outfielder Jesus Lujano, Kevin, but our, our, our one of our favorite name guys, Johnny Turbo, returning to the club this season. Johnny Turbo. I was so disappointed to find out that that was not his birth-given name. Yeah, it was. That would have been nice. Uh, this it, it sounded like one of those uh, cool '50s rock star kind of names or something, you know. It would just it, it would have it would have made the mystique about him a little better, I think. But what what would his at bat is um is at bat music be? That's a good question. But I was glad though to know that he was living up to the name though. I mean, the guy was running and and it was a speed guy. It'd be terrible with Johnny Turbo, you know, hitting two thirty and and uh, one stolen base or something like that. That kind of ruined the mystique. So good, he's living up to the name. I, I'm thinking at least. What What do you think for a good walk up music? I'm gonna think '80s rock. Think Judas Priest. Oh, Turbo Lover. Is that what we're going with? Exactly. Okay, that's what we're talking about. All right. I think that would be a good one, especially the fans. I think they'd really get into that. So we're going to have to talk to the Chicago people and see if we can get that worked into his lockup music for next year. Uh, Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, Kevin, trade infielder Ryan Cash to Tri-City. They also sign infielder Peter Brookshaw, Brookshaw, who I believe was with Fargo a couple of years ago. I'm going to look this up, but that name looks really familiar to me. So. Is that, that's got to be an American Association name at some point. I, I got to check this out. He was with Fargo briefly last year. Okay, so I, I knew it wasn't crazy. Uh, he came in for 16 games for them, and 
had a tough spin, but he's going to get another shot with the club. And, you know, we have Chris Coast as your manager and believing in you and, and uh, uh, Jeff Bittiger signing you. you got to have some talent. you got to figure at that point. Yeah, now that you mentioned the name, I believe he was fresh out of college last year, and he filled in when they had a slew of injuries and just never got on track. But, you know, this time he'll have himself a full spring training, won't be coming in after a complete college year. So we'll see what he, we'll see what he can do in his second go-around. Yeah, North Dakota State product out there where he had 279 in four years there at the college. Yes. He is a bison. You are right. Uh, let's see what else we got out there. I did forget to mention with Cleburne that they also uh, signed uh, right-handed pitcher Nate Gripe, I believe is the way that is said. Uh, Gary Southshore signing right-handed pitcher Peyton Long. Kane County signing outfielder Randy Bednar and infielder uh, Emmy Ordonez. Uh, Lincoln signs right-handed pitcher Zach Keenan returning to the club this season. And a couple of deals out there for Sioux City. Uh, they acquire left-handed pitcher Javier Reynoso from Ottawa. And I saw the other one here. They sign right-handed pitcher Santiago Flores. So um, club's starting to build a little bit here. And uh, I think spring training in Major League Baseball begins next week. So um, we're going to start to see about a month from now, a lot of guys being released and things like that. And are we going to finally see, Kevin, all of these huge numbers of releases that we were promised a few years ago when Major League Baseball contracted the minor league system? And there's going to be a flood of guys out there available for independent clubs to sign. You have to imagine it probably gets better every year. That I just think maybe it's taken a few years to recover from the you know, all the teams being contracted and guys during the COVID year deciding, hey, you know, maybe it's time for me to get back into the workforce. Granted, you know, there are a lot of other partner league options for these players and that there wasn't some four or five years ago. But you'd like to see it so that, you know, there's that there's a, at least there's a pool of players for teams to choose from to try to bring in, especially during the season. Quickly going around the other leagues, not a lot of news in the Frontier and Atlantic League. Uh, just want to reiterate in the Frontier League that April 22nd and the 23rd, they will be doing their uh, tryouts and draft that go on. That will be in Washington, Pennsylvania, where the Wild Thing play. And the Atlantic League, Kevin, honoring Rick White, uh, former president and commissioner of the, of the league, uh, spent 10 years as its commissioner, or excuse me, as its president starting in 2014. And uh, I believe stepped down this season, so they're going to honor Rick, uh, former. Who did he play for? Rick White sounds really familiar. Who did he? Do you, do you I believe he was he like an owner or a commissioner or Zach. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what I was. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what I'm sitting there from. So, so fantastic. So, congratulations to him out there and. And that's really all that's been going on in signings and, and stuff that's going on. They have not been as uh, as active as we have seen in the American Association, which I'm glad to see, though, Kevin, be, uh, us being American Association guys, that that uh, our league's getting a little quicker on the gun this year. So uh, we get the very best t- possible talent. That's what I want to see going on. I think that's 
that's it for us, Kevin. So what do we got for our shout-out? Who, who are we shouting out to this week? Well, uh, this is going to be a two-parter. First of all, shout-out right to, uh, shout to Josh Altman and the Adelaide Giants for winning their second consecutive Claxton Shield in the Australian Baseball League with a win on Saturday night. I tried to listen to the game. Uh, Dan Vaughn had it on there talking Australia baseball mix LR account. So it was nice to get a, get a little off season dose of Dan Vaughn doing play by play, but I fell asleep. Plus my phone battery went dead. So that ended the broadcast for me, but they did win. So, and my second shout out is going to be a shout out to, towards the sky holding a red solo cup in my hand with a beer on it. Um, that's a salute to Toby Keith, who passed away last night after complications from stomach cancer. At 62, was that right? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, so um, being only 56, I, I hate to see somebody 62 pass them on. So um, I know a lot of Toby Keith fans out there, so. Um, our condolences to his family and, and uh, hope that they're finding uh, comfort in knowing what he, uh, so many people he influenced out there. Let's see, my shout-out for the week, Kevin. How about uh, a shout-out to if the crazy weather we're having lately. And it was like minus 30 here about two weeks ago. It was 60 degrees. Uh, here in Cedar Rapids a couple days ago, and I'm, I'm thinking, what happened here? It was, I went to Fargo last weekend, Kevin, for my grandson's hockey tournament. It was 45 on Sunday in February. That's not the way it's supposed to be in Fargo. So unusual weather going on out there, and uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to that because that means we're getting ready for baseball season, I guess, a little early this year maybe. I was no snow in, in Minnesota morning, either. I was in Des Moines a couple of weekends ago, you know, covering our covering Iowa Wild for our podcast, and I was really surprised at how much snow there was down there. Yeah, compared to Minnesota, hold on. I, I was going to ask. I mean, is there anything left other than maybe some dirty no. snow banks? That's what I got but, you here. Know, I, all the snow that's on them. I was at a. I went to a hockey game on Saturday night in Mankato. St. Thomas was down there, and I felt like walking to the arena and looking outside because the the it's daylight late enough now. Where I I thought, is this like middle of March? Because it's it's still daylight, and you know it was like forty five, forty eight degrees out. It was just it seemed so. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. This is February 3rd? I'm thinking this is more like uh, middle of March. So, yeah, that was – it's just been crazy. I, I hope there's not – I hope this is payback for last spring and not – and that we're, we don't have anything nasty coming our way come April and May. Yeah, I hope so, too. And then, um, I, I want – I mean, I, you know, I'm a I'm a winter guy, and I like it to be cold, and, and I'm I'm a big fan of snow. But if you're going to tease me with already kind of turning to to spring, don't don't hammer me later on, like when I got used to. Okay, 
I guess this is all I got. So uh, if we're gonna have some winter, let's have it right now. And, and but don't don't make me wait a month and a half and then decide all of a sudden we're gonna get down to doing that now. So that's my I request. I don't mind as long God. as it's not too ridiculously cold. As long as I tell people everything I do in the winter is inside a hockey rink. As long as I can get from point A to point B, the weather can do what it wants. <laughs> there you go. I'm liking that. Well, Kevin and I want to once again thank Joe Brand for joining us to speak. Always a pleasure to have him on. So for Kevin Loco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.